Today is the Sunday of third Sunday in Advent, and we are celebrating and we'll be lighting our third candle, the pink candle, the candle of joy. I hope that today's service, we have some special music for you today as well. Uh, blessed by Jeff is on the trumpet today, so I hope you will enjoy that.
Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for today is Isaiah 35, especially verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is our text. Today is the Sunday of joy. The third Sunday in Advent is typically a break from the heavy thoughts of the coming of the judgment of God and the Christ's return in glory. Those kind of themes get a little nervous, right? Today is a little lighter. Joy, happiness, God's love and grace, and the embrace of his love for us. Well, there's a book I like from C.S. Lewis, and it's entitled Surprised by Joy. And it's really his autobiography. It's his life story of childhood imagination and happiness and memories that he cherishes and then the very sad fact of his mother passing away this person that he loved dearly and then being sent away to boarding school boredom school and the drudgery of assignments and the pressures of young people, academia and the intellectual search for knowledge and the emptiness of that. And then his return to a faith in a God and then faith in God, in Jesus Christ. His autobiography is actually entitled Surprised by Joy, and he uses a poem from William Wordsworth that I'm going to read to you now because I'm sure you've never heard it. Maybe you have. It's entitled Surprised by Joy. Surprised by Joy, impatient as the wind, I turn to share the transport, oh, with whom? But thee, long buried in the silent tomb, that spot which no vicissitude can find. Love, faithful love, recall thee to my mind, but how could I forget thee? Through what power? Even for the least division of an hour, have I been so beguiled as to be blind to my most grievous loss? That thought's return was the worst pang that sorrow ever bore, save one, only one, when I stood forlorn, knowing my heart's best treasure was no more, that neither present time nor years unborn could to my sight that heavenly face restore. 
surprised by joy. It's actually not a very joyful poem at all. It's actually extremely sad. Why? Because William was thinking about his child, a four years old child who died. And he had an expected experience of joyful beauty and then turned to share it with his daughter, but she's no longer there. The surprise is more the grief than it is the emotion of happiness or giddy thoughts. It's the reality of death in our midst that things aren't the way they ought to be, the imperfections in life and the loss that we suffer day after day after day. Why Lewis would use that poem as an expression of his whole life is even more of a surprise. Unless we consider what it is that is truly joy. The idea of an expectation. Now, you all were children once. I know that. Different times different experiences. But maybe transport yourself back a few years to Christmas and the expectation of what's under the tree for me. I hope you never got nails. Right? Maybe a nail clipper, but not nails. Isn't that odd, though, that a lot of times we puff up our imagination with things and then are disappointed and it doesn't turn out to be what it was meant to be in the first place. Gifts and presents and cards and singing and joyfulness is supposed to make us happy, but a lot of times, I'll be honest, I experience, as I'm sure a lot of you, that not everybody is joyful at this time of the year. It can be extremely painful, especially if you have a loved one that you're thinking about, someone you wish was by your side but isn't there anymore, or someone who's far away, and you can't share that moment, joy can, the joy of the season can somehow become a burden to us. How do I make myself feel joyful? But that was the trap. That was the surprise, I guess, in a way, an odd sort of way, of what Isaiah was looking at. Joy isn't something we find. Joy finds you. Ah, the Hebrew poetry, 
unlike our Western poetry, well, maybe we do the same thing, I don't know, <clears throat> likes to make things that aren't people into people. Uh, inanimate objects or ideas or uh, images into a person so that gladness and joy are like these two fellas that are like crouched at the door ready to run down the aisle to grab you and pull you in. Did you notice the other two fellas? Their names were? You might have to look at your... What was their names? I'm going to wait on this one because this is too good. What were their names? Not singing. Sign and sorrow. See ya. You, gotta go. you guys got to go. Sign. Anybody do a little sign these days? What to do? What to do? What to do? Right? Or the sorrow? They're not allowed. In his kingdom, in that final moment, when joy and gladness embrace us, they flee. Like a couple of guys whose job doesn't even exist anymore, doesn't work anymore. You've been transformed, you've been changed. And so the surprise is not that joy is something we find or the answer to all our imaginations, but it's actually Jesus who's racing out to embrace you, all of you, and does on the cross. He embraces you completely. All your emptiness and brokenness, all your sign and your sorrow, he embraces. He takes upon himself. I was transported again by Jeff's plane today to last night and singing of the Messiah. And, I, and there was, oh, they had a beautiful alto whose final word in that one line that captured me was spitting. And she said the diction so clearly. That's how the song ended, spitting. That part about his despisal, that he was actually spit in the face by our sin. but he took it. He embraced it. Not because he loves spitting 
or that spitting in someone's face is something you ought to do. But he did it for the joy set before him. Who is his joy? You. You. You are his joy. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he emptied himself. That's why he died and rose again and stands victorious at the last moment to embrace us with all he has because he wants you and me in his kingdom. He loves you and me that much. And we are transformed. We eat his body and drink his blood. On the altar, he gives to us the bread and wine of communion to transform us, to make us holy. Meredith, where are you, Meredith and Joel? Raise your hand, wave your hand. Where did you go? There they are. Okay, there it is. They've been, we've been working on this because next week they're going to have First Communion. And uh, to experience what that really means for us to embrace Him and all He means for us. Himself. His joy. And now to share that joy. Sure, there's going to be moments in your life that Things don't meet your expectation. Maybe it won't be as the school you'd hoped for or the place you thought you'd live or the friend group you thought you'd be amongst or any of those things. But there is one who's with you always. His name is Jesus. And he transforms even those experiences to be precious moments, to be shared and embraced and held to because he held to you on the cross. In Christ's name, amen.